Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. It says, you're all we want. And when I think about that, a line like that when we're singing, it's easy to sing those words. But when you're not in worship, when you're not in church, and you're not watching online, I, I think sometimes the Holy Spirit is like, are you sure? Because I think I'm in competition with some stuff. And I think that this, in this season, in this era of church, in this, you know, pandemic that we're living in, and and living through, I think what happens is God is allowing us to put away some idols and put away some other things so that what we're professing in worship, that those lyrics actually become a part of our lifestyle. I think it would be good that what we pray and what we say and what we sing actually becomes a part of who we are. I've come to find out that worship is not lyrics. I've come to find out that you don't have to sing on key for the Holy Spirit to show up. And some of you are like, thank God. The Holy Spirit is not a respecter of who can sing. It's a respecter of what you believe and where you are in your life. And you can be as jacked up as you want to be or as all put together that you proclaim to be. Moses said it this way, I don't want to do it unless his presence goes with me. And I'm in a season of my life. I'm in a part of my life that I don't want to do anything unless God's presence is with me. I've tried it by myself and it just doesn't work. And I end up being as jacked up as I've been. Come on, somebody. I'm not, I'm not all by myself. So can we just can we just lean into the fact that we cannot do this alone? That we don't have to be perfect. Matter of fact, no perfect people allowed. The Bible says that his strength is perfected in our weaknesses, but we want to let the world know how strong we are. We're not very strong. But when we lean into that is when we lean into the presence of Jesus. And I'm so grateful to be here. Uncle Jimmy is in the building today. Come on, let's go. And I am so pumped to be here. And I believe that God has a word for you all today. I am excited about what God is doing at Red Rocks Church, in Red Rocks Church, through Red Rocks Church. You guys are a world-class, a world-changing church, not just a building, but a body of believers. Come on, somebody who understands that church doesn't start when service starts. It starts when service is over because we don't go to church. We are the church. Y'all can have y'all seats in God's presence. It's going to be a good day at Red Rocks Church. I don't know if y'all realize this, but I'm feeling very brown today, very earth tony. Uh, I feel very boulderish. Um, I, I feel like, but I couldn't put on Sorrells. That just would have just not like been urban of me. Uh, and so I'm so pumped to be here. Uh, but I, I'm more pumped to spend time with my amazing friend, uh, Pastor Sean Johnson. Can y'all give it up for Sean and Jill and, and their amazing family? You know what I'm pumped about? There's a book coming out. Come on, somebody. 
attacking anxiety. And there's a series next week that we're starting that you are going to want to invite all your friends to listen. What I know is this is like, there's a lot of things that like that were different. But one thing that we're all the same is we worry, we struggle, we have anxiety, we've got fear and we stuff all of those emotions. And I am so grateful for this book attacking anxiety because what it does, it lets me know that it's okay not to be okay. Right. But that's the first step to being okay. And so we're pumped about that. I want you to pre-release, go where books are sold. It's going to be bananas. And I just can't wait to see what God's going to do on the other side of your struggle with anxiety and what God has done in Sean and Jill and, and through their story. And I was just looking at an Instagram post. It's absolutely amazing. So can we celebrate that book one time? Come on. And tacking anxiety. And, uh, you know, Red Rocks family, you know that Pastor Irene and I, my wife, Irene, I don't call her Pastor Irene. Uh, it's weird. I don't even know why I said that. That's weird, Jimmy. Don't do that. She calls me daddy. And no, 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 she doesn't. No, she doesn't. Um, we've been married 22 years. And like I say, it's been about the best six years ever. And, uh, and you know, we've started a marriage ministry. We found it called Two Equals One. And if you are married... Uh, we want to invite you, and they're going to put this on the screen, to a virtual conference that is free. Come on, somebody. A free virtual conference. It's March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And I even got like a special code for Red Rocks. Come on. So you can just type Red Rocks to 443-233-0005 to reserve your space. And what's different about this free virtual conference, it's going to be live, and we're going to be doing live Q&A with like thousands of people and it's going to be great. You're going to go to different rooms and, uh, but we want you to be a part and just let us know. It, it may stink. Like you may be like, that's the worst conference ever, but at least come and, and let me know that, you know, uh, but we just wanted to do this because we believe that a healthy marriage, there's no better investment than invest in your marriage. Come on. on. Y'all ready for God's word? Red rocks. I want you to turn your Bible or follow along on the screen or use your iPhone or just don't do anything. Just listen to me to Isaiah chapter 61, one through three. And this is a powerful uh, just passage of scripture that God put on my heart um, right around Christmas time. I, I, was, I was in Christmas. I don't know what it was like, you know, there's mistletoe and there's trees and there's lights and there's all these things. But my emotions were jacked up. I was angry. I was I was frustrated. I was worried. I was I felt defeated, even though I had a good year. Like God did some amazing things. But I was like, God, is it OK for me not to be OK? Like, is it OK that you're good? But I, I feel like I just want to, like, you know, eat a whole pint of haagen ice cream. Is it is it is it OK that I lost some weight, but I just want to just gain it all back right now because my emotions are all over the place. And God gave me this word at 4.30 in the morning. I was scheduled to preach at a church and I was going to preach a complete different message. I woke up at 4.30 and this was what he put in my heart. And so I had two hours to write this that morning. And this has been like my anthem for this year. And so I want to share that with you. Is that all right? Yeah. It says this in Isaiah 61, one through three, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance to our God, to comfort all those who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them, and this is key, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, 
that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. What an amazing passage of scripture. And I want to set this up a little bit by giving you some context. This is Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet. And how God would speak to the nation of Israel or to get the nation of Israel back on course is he would give his word or download what he wanted to say to God's people who were prophets. And then prophets would come as a clarion call or God's mouthpiece to warn the people or to give the people a message from God. And Israel at that time was in a place of disarray. They were in a place of, of they kept going back to, to, to their idols, like God would promise them something, and, and they would walk in it for a few days or walking in it for a few years, but they would start drifting back into discouragement, start drifting back into defeat, start drifting back into worshiping other things other than God. And so our God sends Isaiah. And what God says uh, to, through Isaiah, he says, listen, he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you beauty for ashes. Hey, what he says is I'm going to give you uh, uh, the oil of joy for mourning. I I'm going to comfort those who lack comfort. I'm going to give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And you may be like, Jimmy, well, what does that mean? Well, what that meant was at that time is God was sending this prophetic word from heaven. And this prophetic word embodied two things. It was for present help and also for future hope. For present help and also for future hope. I want you to know that God speaks. He hasn't stopped speaking. Maybe many of us have been too busy to listen. But when God speaks... It's always for now and later. It's candy. Come on, somebody. Now and later. And so this is 700 years before the promise. 700 years before Jesus. 700 years because Isaiah is prophesying the coming of a king. Isaiah is prophesying that, listen, I know you're hurting right now, and I'm going to give you a word that encourages you right now, but there's going to be a process that you got to walk out. Now, I'm all for walking out a process, maybe seven days, definitely not 700 years. But even between the Old Testament and the New Testament, you know, many theologians say there was 400 years of silence. In other words, God didn't move for 400 years. I don't believe God didn't move. I don't believe I believe we stopped listening. <laughs> That's just my theology. But here's Jesus. And even in Isaiah 9, when, when Isaiah prophesied, Jesus, he, he said, listen, I know stuff is crazy, but there's going to be a king. And he's going to come through a virgin named Mary. And, and, and it goes on and says, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And you shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I'm like, That's a prophetic word. 700 years in the making. And what I've come to discover is many of us struggle with seven days. Many of us struggle with seven minutes. Many of us struggle with seven seconds. But what I've come to discover is there's always a middle between the prayer and the promise. And what I have struggled myself in navigating is frustration in between two seasons. Frustration in between the promise. So I want to call this message today something that I've been dealing with 
It's called the truth of two realities. The reality that beauty is coming. Man, right now, all I got is ashes. The reality that, man, the garment of praise, man, I, I love that thought, but right now, I'm struggling with the spirit of heaviness. The reality that God is good, but life sucks. The reality that I believe that God to be a healer, but right now I'm hurting with the news that I just received. Man, you see, I don't know about you, but I grew up in the church that fear meant you didn't have faith. (laughs) I grew up in the mindset that, you know, people would say, I call it fake church. How you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. That's what we say in my church. I don't even know what that means. But really, I'm stressed. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm, I've got anxiety. I've got some anticipation. I, uh, God is good. My, you know, it's like, man, as soon as I get my finances together, now my family's struggling. As soon as I get my family together, come on, somebody, now I don't know about my future, right? I got my future together. I got my business together. But then I get a diagnosis, and I'm like, what do I do now? It's like these two diametrical different things that are completely opposite that I'm trying to navigate. How do I manage this? How do I lead through this? How do I pray through this? How do I praise through this? Am I, is it okay not to be okay? But because really both realities are real faith and fear, real purpose and pain, real destiny and discouragement, real. Am I by myself? But somehow, we have been tricked, duped, rebuked, whatever it is, that I can't acknowledge my emotions. One of the shortest verses in Scripture is Jesus wept. Now, that's encouraging to me because I'll cry in a second, y'all. I don't care. I'm a big dude. I'll cry. I'll just cry right now. I ain't scared to cry because what I've learned is embracing emotion doesn't mean that I detach from my devotion to God. But if Jesus wept and knew he was going to heal Lazarus, he could have said, man, why are y'all crying? Why are y'all upset? I'm, give me a second. Give me seven days. I'll be there. Chill. Come on. He didn't. He wept even though he knew he'd heal him. But says it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to embrace the emotion of in-between. It's okay to have two realities working at the same time. Now, when I personally got confronted with this message, I didn't want to tell anyone, like, man, today I... I don't want to get out of bed. I just want a Krispy Kreme (laughs) and a glass of milk. Come on. I just want to cuss. I'm just frustrated. But what I didn't want to do is I didn't know if I had permission to just be human when I've got this holiness expectation. What do I do with the in-between or the two realities of, of humanity and holiness? I got faith, but I also got fear. And it's real. And when I was reading over this passage of scripture, it was during Christmas. And so I was reading this, this verse in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 13. It says this that night, 
This is the fulfillment of the prophecy. 700 years ago. And then we land in Luke. Come on. And this is not hope. This is reality. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Watch this now. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And then, here it is, the Savior. Yes, the Messiah. What Isaiah prophesied 700 years ago has been born today. The fulfillment of a promise. The waiting is over. Today is the day of your breakthrough. Today is the day of your healing. Today is the day where you move from the middle to the miracle. Today. He has been born in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by a sign. You will find a baby, and I love this version because it says that I can say the word snuggly. Wrapped in snuggly. Strips of cloth lying in a manger. The fulfillment of a promise from 700 years ago. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Savior of the world, a piece of heaven has showed up. And guess who some of the first people that are invited to the fulfillment of this promise? Shepherds. What? Not kings? Dirty people. Shepherds. People who've gone through some things. That wouldn't have been my choice. That wouldn't have been your choice. That the fulfillment of a 700-year-ago promise and someone with an addiction, someone who struggles with pornography, someone whose marriage is not all together. What I love about shepherds is, 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 is they're, they're out in the field. They're, they're common people. Come on, somebody. They're, they, they've got dirt under their fingernails. They haven't shaved. Shepherds lets me know that it's okay in the midst of my middle to be in the presence of Jesus. Wow. You mean I don't have to have it all together to be in the presence? I can have fear? And then their first response Come on, Red Rocks, 700 years in the waiting. I'm telling you, if I got a promise from God and it was seven days old and I get it, I'm going old school. I'm doing a Jericho march. I'm shouting. Come on, somebody. I'm going to go rent me a B3 organ and I'm going to run around Walmart. I'm telling you right now, that's not what happened. Their first response was fear. In the presence of God, and your first response is, whoa, is this really it? And I look all throughout that passage of Scripture in Luke, at, like in the process of this fulfillment, and then I see Zechariah. Zechariah was John's dad. Uh, his mom was Elizabeth, like, and, and they were barren, right? Barren. Well, she was barren. <laughs> he was embarrassed. And, and the angel comes to them and says, yeah, you're going to have a baby. And she's like, I'm barren. And so here she is. She's got expectation. But the reality of being inexperienced. Her husband, Zachariah, is like, man, God, are you sure? And because of his fear, I don't think this is a bad thing. God muted him. So now he's got a miracle, but he can't talk about it. He's mute. Have you ever... Wanted God to do something, but you, 
not even sure because you felt so disappointed for so many years of praying for something and it not happened that you've mute yourself? I don't want to tell anybody. I'm not sure if this is going to happen. How about Mary? Two realities. The theologians say that she's like 14 years old, and this, April, this angel Gabriel shows up in her bedroom and says, greetings. I'd have been like, how'd you get in? <laughs> you are highly favored. You're going to have a baby, and, 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 and you're going to call him Emmanuel, which means God. What? what? With me? And so she, she's highly favored, but highly fearful. What about Joseph? Her boyfriend, he's got to believe that this baby is from the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That's a hard conversation. Hey, honey, um, so God's doing something in me. It, it, listen, it's through the Holy Spirit. I'm pregnant. <laughs> Haven't been with any. What? So, so, so he's got to manage the two realities to make sure that Mary gets to her assignment on a 70-mile journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, not sure if this is really God. He's supporting something, but he's got the insecurities of, I wonder who she slept with. Come on, let's be real. Then there's the shepherds. Overwhelmed by the presence of God, but overwhelmed by the presence of fear, the truth of two realities. I got faith and fear working at the same time. I'm hopeful, but yet I'm hurting. I know I got a destiny, but man, I'm disappointed. I'm discouraged. I know there's good news at the end, but navigating years of bad news is difficult. I'm blessed, but I'm broken. I know he's with me, but for some reason, I still feel alone. Y'all thought I was going to come and shout today. I'm just telling you where I'm at. I'm preaching right now, but I got some pain on the inside of here. I want to shout, but I really want to cry. I know I'm forgiven but it's so hard for me to forgive others. The truth of these two realities, I, worship team's awesome. I'm supposed to worship, but I can't because I'm worried. I'm flooded with these thoughts. I know that God has this sea of forgetfulness, but I've got this sea of shame navigating these two realities. Life is sometimes like a jawbreaker. You can't bite it. You can't break it. You just got to work through the sour until the sweet kicks in. My wife loves sour candy. I hate it. But she's learned that if I endure the sour long enough, it'll finish sweet. The truth of two realities. Have you ever been on a roller coaster? I'm not a roller coaster guy. I'm not. I hate music parks. I like music parks for one reason, and that's to smoke turkey leg. 
But I watched people get on a roller coaster knowing that it starts out in fear but ends in fun. Imagine if we embraced our faith like that. Man, it's fearful. What if we just got used to admitting that we're not all that? The truth of two realities. I wrote this down before I walked in the auditorium to preach this message. And can we not judge people that are in the middle of their realities, in their response and their level of faith and if they're really Christian or not and their post and we're, we, we're commenting on post and because they're in the middle. We're all in the middle. Every single one of us. Many of us don't want to admit that life is hard. But God is good. I started thinking about anxiety. I'm so pumped about this book coming out because it lets me know, man, I was a part of like that whole season that Sean and Jill were navigating. And I wrote these things down. Anxiety could indicate that I have a sense of uncertainty or, or there's a loss of control. Maybe it's fear. Fear could indicate that, uh, th that I'm not safe or something in my past has robbed my security. Doubt. Doubt could indicate that my trust has been violated at some point by waiting. Depression could indicate a loss of hope or a feeling of helplessness. I don't know what to do. How about shame? Shame could indicate that I have not forgiven myself even though God has. And I haven't accepted his grace because I'm still filled with guilt. Sadness could indicate that I have not allowed myself to grieve. I, I've come to understand that grieving is a process. Can I preach this message to you while I'm preaching it to, to, to me? Can, can, is it okay that I'm not all together? I don't come from a place of of. of being on the other side of this, I, I, I feel like I'm not even qualified to share this message, but maybe I am because I'm just like all of us today that I, would anybody raise your hand, type in the chat that I'm navigating two realities. Anybody, anybody, let me know I'm not by myself. <laughs> Discouragement could indicate that I'm not where I should have been, so I live in shoulda, coulda, woulda. And then I, Landed on this thought. Maybe emotions aren't bad, but maybe emotions are indicators that it's time to do something about it. Maybe God lets us feel the reality of pain so we can understand that it's time to do something about it. I started thinking about the scripture in Isaiah. Would we really appreciate beauty if we've never been acquainted with ashes? Would we really value praise if we didn't be okay with saying sometimes I've got a spirit of heaviness? Would worship mean anything to us if we didn't worry? Would there be such a thing as healing if we never were hurt? 
Would there be a such, I don't even know how to say that, be a such a, would there be such a thing as purpose if there wasn't a thing of aimless? Anyone ever felt aimless? Like, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just tiptoeing to the tulips, like trying to make it through. But yet in the body of Christ, we're anointed. We're holy. We sing songs that we don't live every day. Emotions are indicators that it's time to do something about it. I believe it's time to do something about it. I believe it's time to say, how do I get through this? How do I navigate the middle? How do I get to the sweet? Come on, somebody, when the sour is breaking me. I feel like I've been going up this roller coaster for so long. I'm just waiting. Maybe the climb has just been too long. You feel like you've been going uphill. And God says, no, the fun is going to kick in. I, Pastor, how do I get to that? Well, I'm going to give you three quick points. Number one is I've decided. 4.30 in the morning, the Sunday before Christmas, the Holy Spirit put this in my heart that my prayer will be my persistence. That my prayer will be my persistence. In other words, I'm going to keep praying even when I feel like God is silent. In other words, I'm not going to allow the disappointments that are around me to stop the prayers inside of me. I'm going to keep praying when I'm mad. I'm going to keep praying when I'm happy. I'm going to keep praying when I'm fearful. I'm going to keep praying. And when I, and guess what? When I run out of prayers, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will make intercession for me, which really means this. That word intercessions means get in between my two realities. Man, I'm going to keep praying. I'm not going to complain all the time. I'm going to complain sometimes. That's just real. But I'm going to try to allow my persistence in prayer to overcome the resistance I feel through pain. I, I, I landed on this thought. is Maybe prayer needs to change me before what I'm praying for changes. I need to change my language. I need to pray long enough to move from frustration to desperation to revelation to manifestation. Sometimes I just get stuck in frustration that I stop praying. You know what I've learned? Persistence is what moves me from my emotions to his devotion towards me. See, when you pray persistently, it, all of a sudden I'm like, man, God loves me. He's not going to leave me. So number one, if you want to navigate the middle, understand that prayer will be my persistence. Number two, this is what God gave me. Don't judge me if you don't think this is enough. His promise will be my perspective. 
God's promise will be my perspective. And what I've come to understand is it's so easy to put down your Bible when you're in between. It's so easy to stop doing devotions. It's so easy. And guess what? What happens is many of us, we don't know God's word. And if we don't know God's word, we can't move from worry to worship, from pain to purpose. You see, you have to learn when you don't have a promise, read a promise. See, I, I can go preachy here, but I'm not. So don't make me do that. When I'm there, I have to read scripture like no weapon that is formed against me is going to prosper. I have to read scripture that says that the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I have to go and look how God parted a Red Sea. And I wonder if the supernatural work of God can part a Red Sea. Can he bring my marriage back together? I have to go read scriptures of people who were healed by the presence of God, uh, who, who, were, who were deemed dead. Come on, somebody. And, and, if, and if God can raise somebody up from the dead, then he can, come on, somebody. It says that by his stripes, I am healed. Red Rocks Church, can I encourage you that the Bible is not Fiction. It is real. And what it is supposed to do, it's supposed to encourage you that when you can't encourage yourself, you crack that Bible open and you said, if Peter can walk on water, then it's okay to manage my fear when I'm walking on ground that is shaky. I told y'all don't make me preach here. This promise, we want perspective. We tell you something about a promise. The Bible says, speaking those things that be not as if they already are. I'll never forget, it was a Christmas maybe three or four years ago, and a, a, one of our elders in our church, their son was in a coma from a diabetic, like he went into a diabetic coma and he had no chance to live, like zero, the doctors were like, and, and we went into the hospital room. And I'm telling you, I was filled with faith, but I was filled with fear. And I went in that hospital room with that family. It was me and my wife. And let me tell you something. They don't teach you this in Bible college. They don't teach you how do you pray for someone when you need prayer yourself in that moment. And so I just acknowledged my fear before I walked in. And when I walked in there, I had this confidence. And I looked at the doctors and I said, hey, do you believe in Jesus? And they were like, no. I said, get out of the room. And I looked at everyone who was there and I said, do you guys believe that God can heal this young man? And some people said, I don't know. I said, get out of the room because we had to fill that room with faith. And I'll never forget that I, I, I got down. I whispered in his ear and I said, EJ, if you can hear me right now, I said, I'm, I, I said, I'm scared. But my Bible says that God's a healer. And I just want to read a couple of scriptures to you because I, I, I don't have the strength. And I said, da, 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 da. I was, and I was reading scripture. And then I said, if God is real, no one hurt me. And if this miracle can really happen, can you squeeze my hand? And all of a sudden, I realized that what I've been preaching for years was true. When I felt my hand get tighter and tighter, and three days later, he got out of that bed and asked what happened. 
promise was my perspective. And number three, I'm out of your way. Team can come. My praise will be my proof. Now, I'm not talking about a shout. I'm not talking about a Jericho march. I'm not talking about emotion. I'm not talking about extrovertness in your relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about confident expectation that what God says is going to happen. I'm talking about the kind of praise that marches around a wall for six days and then right before the breakthrough, it's six times harder because they got to do seven, six times more than what they've done every other day. It's called Jericho. It's called and they begin to march. I'm talking about the kind of praise that 600,000 foot soldiers marched around a wall and under one condition, no one could be negative. And that wall came down that kind of praise. Prayer would be my persistence. This promise would be my perspective. And praise is going to be my proof. See, many of us think that praise that we celebrate after. And the enemy wants you to think that. But I, I have come to discover, Pastor Sean, That praise is actually faith in action. And the more that I praise, the more I move from fear to faith. I want to give you this revelation that God gave me. I want to jump down to Luke 2, 13 and 14. So here are the the shepherds. They're standing before the presence. 700-year promise. Are y'all with me? They're, they were invited to the party. Come on. They, they're standing in front of the fulfillment of a promise. And it said, they, I already read you, they had fear. Then it says this, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, others and the angel and the armies of heaven praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. To, now watch this. They are standing in front of the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Watch me. Jesus is an infant. He hasn't turned water into wine. He can't talk. He hasn't walked on water. He can't walk. He soils his diaper. So you got to put yourself in a story. He, he needs someone to feed him. He hasn't healed blinded eyes. He can't get his bearings yet to even see because he was just born. Are y'all with me? But yet they praised an infant. It was no proof that he was the promise. But yet they said, glory to God. This is the fulfillment of the promise. I wonder, can you praise God? When your promise is in its infancy stage? Can you speak well of God when you just got a glimmer of hope left? Can you say God is good when you can't see it? Come on, somebody. You see, for us, we can praise God. We can praise God because we've got scripture to read. And we can praise God because it's hindsight bias. 
but can you praise God in the midst of a diagnosis? Can you praise God in the midst of fear? Can you praise God in the midst and say, God, I know you haven't done it yet, but I'm standing on your word that when you give me a promise, it will not return unto me. Boy, praise is your proof. Stand with me, Red Rocks. I'm believing that in this season that God is going to do a supernatural work in every single person that is connected to Red Rocks Church. No person goes unhealed. No promise goes unfulfilled. No marriage goes delivered. No healing goes. No hurt goes without being healed. Red Rocks, this is your season. God, as I'm navigating the truth of my two realities, I've decided for a season I'm going to lean on the reality of faith, of purpose, of destiny, of revelation, of healing. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for these amazing people. I thank you for these amazing pastors. And God, the supernatural work that you have done over the years of the vision of this church, it is not over. You have more in store. You are taking us from glory to glory. God, what you start, you finish. God, your word says you work all things together for the good of them who love you and are called according to your purpose. Let me tell you something, Red Rocks. Y'all zoom in on me. You better not give up. You better not quit. You better not think that your days are over just because you've got bad news. I want to encourage you that if it's not good yet, God is not done yet. Your best days are ahead of you and your worst days are behind you. In Jesus' name, now let's celebrate like it's okay not to be okay because praise is my proof.